Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Hello and welcome to the GNFCC 400 Insider, the monthly radio show and podcast presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. I'm Callie Boatwright, President and CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber, and today we get to highlight one of our strongest partner organizations, the North Fulton Community Improvement District. We will explore its connection to the Greater North Fulton Chamber and how the relationship between the two directly impacts North Fulton economic and community development. I am really excited to welcome our guest today, Senator Brandon Beach, Executive Director of the North Fulton Community Improvement District. Welcome, Brandon. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here as well. This is a great opportunity to talk about how our two organizations that are really joined at the hip coexist and really benefit each other in so many different ways. But I want to start a little bit by asking you to tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background, how you got led into this incredible career path. I know most people don't set out to direct a chamber, CID, be senator, all the amazing things that you do. So tell us a little bit about your history. Well, I grew up in New Orleans, went to LSU, and then I got a graduate degree from Centenary College. And when I finished graduate school, I uh, interviewed and went to work for Quaker State Motor Oil. And there were really no jobs in Louisiana, so we had a choice between Dallas and Atlanta. And Chantel and I chose Atlanta. We didn't know anybody except one girl that she danced with at LSU on the dance line. And uh, so we chose Alpharetta, uh, uh, even though our offices were in Smyrna, the best decision we ever made. One of the things I decided when we moved here, I, I grew up in Louisiana. Uh, that was my home. It was my culture. But the politicians and the, the leaders didn't take care of it. And it all started with education. And I realized that we needed to be involved in our community, both Chantel and I, from a standpoint. We wanted to make sure we had good schools. We wanted to make sure we had great parks and great quality of life. And when you do all that, then you have great economic development and great jobs. And I I really got involved for really – two reasons, Courtney and Hunter. I wanted my kids to be able to come back here and find a job. And this may sound a little corny, but we look forward to the day when we can go to the swim meets and watch Madison swim in the same pool where Courtney swam, um, our granddaughter. And, um, and so, but that doesn't happen by accident. You got to work at that. You got to make sure the schools are good. And that's what Louisiana didn't do. When, and, and we wanted to make sure that our kids had the opportunity to come back here. Now, if Courtney and Hunter would have said, dad, I want to go live in New York or Chicago or California, I would have supported them 110%, but I want them to have the opportunity to come back to North Fulton, find a job and raise a family. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And it's not just me, but I think collectively people have, have, you know, invested in education and invested in transportation and so on to make sure we've got a great place to live, work and play. Absolutely. And education in this uh, region is obviously one of the highest in the state, much yeah. in, in response to the fact that there are so many community leaders who care so much about it. You're talking about your granddaughter. It's great to see you and Madison interact wow. together. Um, it's it's wonderful. I can't imagine being a grandparent yet, but watching you do it makes it look like a, a real gift. So we, we look great. forward to that. Best club in America. <laughs> So you uh, obviously cared about the community enough to um, get involved. And so what about y- your your uh, aspirations to run for office? I know you had a small business. And so how did you get well, into that? I'm, I'm taking you through the whole path so I can get yeah, you to where kinda, you are. You know, I, I had a fr- we got involved in a park referendum and it passed. And then 
uh, Mayor uh, Chuck Martin put me on the planning commission. And then I, one of my dear friends was a gentleman named Mark Burkhalter, who was the state representative. He said, you need to run for city council. I did. We won. I, and then it just happened. Uh, and then I got on the DOT board, which were one of two states that elects their DOT boards. And then when the Senate seat came open, uh, I ran for Senate. It, it was not anything planned. It just kind of happened and evolved. Uh, but it was, you know, once Quaker State sold to Penzoil and I took that package and I, uh, I, I opened up that restaurant and then I became CEO of the chamber. I was on the chamber board and some board members said, you need to apply for that. You've got corporate experience, small business experience and political experience. We need to, we need to hire you. And, and so I got hired back in 2003, I guess it was. And, um, was there 15 years and had a great run and uh, did some great things, I think. And one of the great things we did was create the CID the first year uh, I was there. We created the CID. And if you look back on the CID, the reason it was created, we were trying to build Westside Parkway from Mansell Road to um, all the way over to um, Windward. And we had parts of it done, but the middle part wasn't done. And the state said, we don't have any funding for you. So we created the CID and got that middle part built, which was really critical uh, for that part of the, the, the West Side Parkway. What, what our goal was is if you were going from Mansell to Windward, we didn't want you to get on 400. We wanted you to take either North Point Parkway or West Side Parkway, and that's what we did. And that other section that was critical for being built was the critical section that helped uh, develop Avalon, which was a huge economic impact uh, for uh, North Fulton, Avalon. It's been a great, great development. And if you look at the development of Avalon and the halo effect it's had down Thompson Street and and downtown Alpharetta, Alpharetta being re, you know, redeveloped. I mean, if you'd have told me when I was on the city council back in the '90s that we'd be selling million dollar townhomes on Thompson Street, I would say I don't know what you're drinking, but I don't think that's going to happen. But it has happened, and it's happened because of um, you know the great schools and people wanting to be here. Well, and I think Westside was a game changer in so many ways. Ironic that, you know, we took that road to to get over to the radio show today, which I appreciate very much because it is a great connector here in North Fulton. And certainly Avalon. Avalon, when that came in, obviously much attributed to to you and Mark Toro at the time. Uh, that was something that everybody aspired to have in their own community. I can remember when I was in Douglas County hearing about how wonderful Avalon was and thinking, you know, gosh, this is the kind of change that really makes a difference in not just a city, but a region. And it, and it truly has. And you see, um, you know, the, the mimicry of that taking place, not just in our own communities, yeah. but really nationwide. So kudos to you and, and the things that you've done. There's so many things that the community improvement district has done, maybe for those of us who don't know as much about what a CID, a community improvement district is, can you tell us a little bit, maybe a Cliff's Notes version of what a CID is? Yeah, it's a commercial tax base. So residents are not taxed, just the commercial properties within the district boundaries that we formed. And um, we formed this in 2003, again, for Westside Parkway. And it was myself, Bob Regas, and Tom Ladow went out and got the signatures. And Arthur Ferdinand approved it. The county commission approved it. And then we started uh, generating income uh, to do design and, and engineering and environmental. We don't build the whole project. We use it to leverage money to get from the, the, 
state. Uh, a great example of that is we just cut the ribbon on the triple F lanes on Windward. We spent about $900,000 on engineering design and environmental. And then we got 8.4 million from the state to do the construction, actual construction. And it's added a triple F lane off Windward northbound and, and a new lane in front of Cracker Barrel right there. Um, but one of the things we do is we take that tax money because we know that it's an investment that will make those commercial, um, residents of the commercial folks, uh, property more valuable. And so that's what we do. And I I would say this, there's a direct correlation between infrastructure investment and economic development. One of the things we're really proud of and it is landscaping of all four of our interchanges, which when you get off on one of those interchanges and you bring a prospect here on economic development, it subliminally leaves a message that they've arrived. Somebody says, oh, wow, this place is nice because it's landscaped, it's got the hardscapes, it's got the sidewalks. And so when you do that, I think you, you make a statement that you've arrived somewhere pretty special. And uh, that's some, something we're very proud of that we've invested in that. And I think it benefits the residents. You mentioned, of course, the taxes is on the commercial uh organizations, but the the residents certainly benefit by that. And the infrastructure also helps all the residents that are trying to get to those businesses, which the chamber appreciates so much because we're trying to help support and market those businesses and bring more people to the community to eat and play and stay. And so all of those things are really important. So you shared with us the origin of the CID and and how it began. Currently, I know you guys have a number of projects, and we're grateful uh, that, for those of you who don't know, the Community Improvement District and the Greater North Fulton Chamber uh, cohabitate. So we are in the same offices, which gives us an opportunity to be able to support one another because, as as the senator mentioned, there are so many things that, that they are doing and working on from an infrastructure standpoint that really is meaningful for all of the businesses um, across the region. And so it's a it's a very good uh, relationship that we have. So well, we designed that from day one. Yes. Was we it wanted, deliberate? No, it was very deliberate. We wanted to be housed in the chamber. We didn't want to spend money on copy machines and office furniture and so on. We pay rent to you guys, but we wanted to minimize our costs so that we could put all our money into Westside Parkway and other infrastructure projects. And to this day, we we want that. We want to be a lean organization and we want to be able to invest our money and our taxpayers' money, our commercial tax base. We want to invest that money in infrastructure products and projects and and so on. And as you said in the beginning, we're joined at the hip. We feel like we're part of the the chamber, and, and we just have so many common interests. What we do may, makes mm-hmm. you look good. What you do makes us look good. So it's a, it really is a great relationship, and it's all about economic development and job uh, prosperity. So um, I think we all work together. I think it's a, a win-win situation for the chamber and a win-win situation for the CID. Absolutely. I think that uh, it's a symbiotic relationship that we uh, both enjoy and certainly has worked well in the time that I've been here. So Brandon, you are doing so many new projects, and I know I'm sure there are some that you can't even talk about, but let's talk about maybe a couple of the big ones uh, that the CID is working on now and things that we're going to look forward to seeing in the next couple of years. You just mentioned that you just opened Windward, um, which was very exciting, and certainly having the extra uh, turn lanes and being able to have access is really important. I, it does not back up onto the interstate anymore, which I'm grateful for. Right, And so that's really excellent. But maybe talk a little bit. I know you guys are working on um you talked about beautification of landscaping but you guys are working on some of the bus shelters now as right. well we've got uh, three bus shelters that are under construction right now uh, two of them are done one we're waiting on the third one to be done and we'll do a little ribbon cutting at all of those um we uh, as you said talked about windward and 
400, and that was needed uh, to have access to to go um, westbound um, when you get off 400. And we're working on Davis Drive, which where Papado's dead ends, we're going to uh, punch that through where it comes out uh, right there in front of Top Golf, and you won't have to cut through the ice skating rink to go to Papado's anymore. You'll have access. So we're almost uh, to the point where we're ready to start construction on that. I think the other thing that's important, we've we've really got into technology, and I'm not that smart, so it's way above my head, but we're working on connected vehicles and how all these new cars from Tesla on down through Ford and Chevrolet and General Motors are going to all have uh, the, the smart cars that can talk to each other and talk to the, the you know, stoplights and so on. And, and then it, what it's really helped is public safety so that if there's an accident on 400, we can get all those lights to turn green and get maybe to an accident four or five minutes faster and save someone's life because minutes do matter when you have a, an, an accident like that. So uh, on the bigger picture, I will tell you that, and it's a little outside our district, but the I-285 and 400 interchange will be done by January 1st. They're opening segments of it now, but that affects us and it helps us. And then the GDOT will be um, bidding out the uh, northbound lanes, two northbound lanes from 285 up to McFarland Road and two southbound lanes from McFarland Road to 285. Those bids are going out now as we speak. So we're going to have a lot of, and then we're also going to have uh, express bus lanes going up the middle of 400 with MARTA stops. So uh, that's going to be really exciting for the next four years. It'll be painful. You'll see a lot of orange barrels out, but but you got to have that. You got to go through the pain to then get to, to the benefit. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, and then another big project we're we're doing, and, and I'm really proud of Rudy Bowen, the chairman, and and I I worked on this too with him uh, as chairman of transportation. Is a 48 million dollars we were able to uh, secure in the budget to build a new interchange at McGinnis Ferry Road and 400, and the reason that's important is we're going to four-lane it also from 400 to Emory Johns Creek Hospital. So you'll have east-west connectivity not only on Old Milton and Holcomb Bridge, you'll also now have uh, four-lane east-west uh, accessibility to Gwinnett County from McGinnis Ferry Road and 400 all the way over to 85. So that'll be good. Um, so those are all pretty good, exciting projects. And then an- another project that I'm very proud of and it's really not a CID project as much as it is a state project but we've for two years now have studied freight and logistics and how we move product through our state and it's important for North Fulton because I want to share this with you before COVID-19 we had two days that we had over two billion in revenue on e-commerce only two days in 2018 and 2000 part of 2019 and then when COVID hit Every day has been over $2 billion in revenue. And I think people can tell you they, they've noticed Amazon in their subdivision not just once a day but maybe three times a day or a FedEx truck or a UPS truck, and that's not going to change. I think people have gotten used to uh, their packages being delivered to their front door, and that's a good thing. But, it, you know, like my wife thinks the package just mysteriously shows up. It <laughs> does, she doesn't realize that it comes into the port of Savannah, gets off the, the ship, a lot of times, and then gets on a either a rail car or a, a truck, and then it goes to a distribution center, gets reworked, and then gets put on a, a FedEx or Amazon or UPS truck, and then comes to your doorstep. So we've got to make sure we have the infrastructure in place to move that freight. Now, we're very fortunate. The Port of Savannah is a huge economic engine for us, and we th- say, well, that what's that do about North Fulton? Well, it, it, it's, it helps North Fulton, and really, 
When I used to give speeches about the Port of Savannah, I used to say we were the logistics capital of the southeast, and I was wrong. We're really the logistics capital of the eastern seaboard because when you look at where all this freight's going, it's amazing. Now, what we've found out is 83% of the freight is on 18-wheelers, 17% on rail. We're working with Norfolk Southern and CSX to get that up to 35% on rail because every time you have a rail car, you take three and a half trucks off the road, and that's going to be important as we move forward to minimize truck traffic on 285, 75, and 85. But we also are looking at truck lanes. We're looking at multimodal facilities. We are going to come up with a, a really uh, comprehensive freight and logistics plan for the uh, Port of Savannah. One other thing about that Port of Savannah, we're the only port in the United States that exports more than we import, and that's critical, and that's good for our agriculture industry, our chicken, you know, our poultry industry, and so on. And I think it, it ties directly to why you're so good at what you do and certainly that effect um, down through to the CID because you do have those connections at the state. So you understand not just a little piece of the pie, but the entire pie. Um, and that's a huge service to us here in this region is having someone like you who, who's able to do that. It's interesting. I was speaking with somebody yesterday about logistics and, of course, the the a serious shortage of truck drivers. Correct. So it's not just beneficial uh, to the uh, communities to be able to get more rail cars versus trailers from the standpoint of um, less, less trucks on the road, but also from the fact that it's hard to find workforce to be able to fill those, which is goes back yeah. to how the chamber and the CID work so closely together because, you know, everything is interconnected, especially now after COVID finding workforces is hard everywhere, but certainly when you have a large baby boomer population right. who, as we do in the uh, truck driving business, in the logistics business, it's very difficult to find folks who can can replace them. Right, and so we're seeing that everywhere. No, it is. It, one of the the other things we found out in our study was not only uh, truck drivers. We have a huge shortage of truck parking. It used to be truck drivers did their logs uh, by paper and pen. Now it's all electronic. So at 10 hours, they have to stop. And so when you see a truck stopped on an exit ramp or an entrance ramp uh, on 75 or 85, it's because they can't drive anymore. It locks them out at 10 hours. Are There's they, a governor are they, on they, it. They, yeah, they start paying fines. So they, they got to just pull off. And that's that's really not safe. It's really dangerous. And GDOT's, we're working on that. We just don't have enough truck parking uh, around our state. Now, we're looking at taking some of the Greta lots and converting those to – uh, truck parking in certain areas um, where it makes sense so that we can have some more truck parking. Yeah. And I think the interior ports, of course, we've talked mm -hmm. about as well. And so that's, that's important to be able to, to connect the, uh, the transportation of, our, of the supply chain. I mean, right. and God knows during COVID, we've seen a lot of disruption to that supply chain. So as we come out, we want to make sure that we're doing it right. And I think having, having those things in place is really, really important. Um, anything else? I know you've been very active in the transportation study, as you just mentioned. Anything else for our listeners as we talk about, um, the state and what's going on from that perspective? Well, the, the good news is we've stayed open during COVID. Uh, Governor Kemp took a lot of grief for what he did, but he did a great job of keeping the state open. Our revenues are up. Um, people are moving here. And um, the, the housing market is on fire right <laughs> now. You cannot buy a house. And if you put your house on the market, you have people bidding for it. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really bullish on Georgia. I think we're going to continue to be the number one state to do business because of our education, our, our, and, and let me tell you one thing we do have here, Callie, and, and we have um, a division of 
Gwinnett Tech here, but our technical college system, if you look at our technical college system, it's the number one technical college system in the country. And, and, and it works well with economic development and, and the Department of Community Affairs and so on to make sure we have quick start and we can train employees. Um, one of the examples is when you got here was when Alcon decided they wanted to expand to uh, some uh, new manufacturing lines, which was high-tech manufacturing, but it was manufacturing. But those jobs were $75,000, $80,000 jobs. And between um, the Department of Labor and, and quick starts and so on, we were able to train their employees for them and come up with a, a, a tailor-made training program for eight weeks for them, and that was done through the Gwinnett Tech. And Gwinnett Tech is a huge asset for us. And I, I'll be honest with you, I – I, when I first moved here 27 years ago, I thought, well, we don't need technical colleges. All our kids go to Georgia, Georgia Tech, <laughs> and some of them go to LSU and so on. But anyway, that's where I went to school, so I've got to give LSU a plug. But anyway, I, I was wrong there also because I, I will tell you, not everybody has to go to college, and not everybody's built to go to college, and these technical schools provide a pathway to a great job and a great career path, and so we've got to continue to make sure we're expanding Gwinnett Tech. It's a beautiful building, um, and people are going to start going back to class after COVID. We come out of this COVID, and we have some acreage there, and I'm going to try to get money in the budget next year to make sure we can build another building. I've, I've met with Dr. Cannon. He's ready to build a second building. He thinks there's a need for it. I do, too. And um, and those jobs are important for our economy, and uh, especially in the healthcare. We've got a lot of healthcare, IT healthcare, and healthcare jobs up here in this 400 corridor. A lot of technology companies, and, and I believe that 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 Gwinnett Tech plays a, a really really big role in making sure we have an educated workforce. Because as you know, in economic development, the first question they ask is about tell me about your educated workforce. You know, your education and your workforce. Can we hire people if we come here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then talk about public safety. Then they talk about parks and rec, and it goes on down the line, health care. But, but the first thing they want to know is tell me about your schools and tell me about your educated workforce. And so we've got that uh, you know, tool in our toolbox. Yeah, and people are the new great commodity. It's not about land anymore. It's about right. people and, and trained people, of course. Yeah, Gwinnett Tech is is obviously a big partner for us as well. And we, uh, we too, are very anxious to get uh, additional building on that property, which kind of brings us back to Avalon, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that halo effect of of what you did uh, with the CID and, and uh, Westside Parkway bringing that. So I think it all really ties together neatly into what we can accomplish in a collaborative way um, versus individually. And and that's one of the blessings of this community. When I came here in April of 2018 to take over the chamber role from the position you had stepped down for after holding it for nearly 15 years and being very successful um, and moving over to really focus all mm-hmm. your time and attention on the CID, I think that but, um, you know, the ability to to do that and to work together and to to learn from all the things that that you had been able to do has been instrumental into what we'll be able to do next. So I certainly appreciate it. I'll tell you, you, you hit on something. Um, it's all about talent is what's driving these companies on their decisions. It used to be if the CEO wanted to live in Atlanta, they were going to Atlanta or they were going to go to Dallas or wherever. Now what's really driving those CEOs decisions is talent. And the talent wants certain things, and one of the things they want is transit. That's why this MARTA um, Express bus lanes coming up 400 corridor is important so that we, we can be in the game because a lot of the younger people want to get out of their cars, they want to Uber, and they don't even want to own a car, some of them, 
and they want to be able to get to their job and and, and uh, using transit. So, um, I mean, State Farm's a great example of that. If you would have thought that they would have, you know, relocated on a MARTA line with a escalator going right into their lobby and they they sell car insurance i mean you, right. that just doesn't make sense but it but it's happened because they had to get the talent that they wanted so talent's driving a lot of that 100 percent. i appreciate so much you being with me today and and talking a little bit about how we work together and and sharing with uh, the listeners just how many important things are going on in this region how they tie into the state and certainly how the cid is is working to drive those things forward is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we uh, ask just, for uh, contact I, I would just say this if you're not a member of this chamber the north fulton chamber of commerce you need to join they are the go-to entity for economic development, for business advocacy, and for networking and, and really relationships. And if you want to be part and you want your business to grow, you need to join the chamber. And, Callie, you've done a great job. We, I was at one of your events this morning, and it was packed. People want to be out. They want to get out from COVID. Uh, but every event I've been at has been sold out, and y'all, you and your staff have done a great job. But if you want to be successful in North Fulton, you need to be – in the North Fulton Chamber of Commerce and be plugged in. And, and I would tell you, you need to join and, and contact Cali. If you need to get in touch with me or, or we've got a small staff, it's me and Kristen and Alex. We only have three employees. We use consultants, but you can go to NorthFultonCID.com and all our numbers are on there and we're very accessible. And if you have any ideas or projects you want us to look at, it has to be within the district or we can't spend money on it. But we will look at anything that makes sense because I do think this, I will say this, there is going to be more money coming down from Washington, federal dollars for infrastructure. There is going to be more money through the CARES Act, $4.8 billion, and, and it's going to be those who have their projects ready, shovel ready with the design and environmental and, and engineering done that are going to get the money and have skin in the game. And we're ready. We're going to have projects on the shelf ready to build. So thank you very much. Thanks for what you do for our community. Thank you for the positive comments. The relationship has been excellent from the beginning. Brandon and I actually met when we both took on roles as chamber presidents in um, 2004. So having that longstanding relationship has been great. The other thing I do want to share is when I took over the chamber in 2018, it's a blessing to be able to walk into a chamber where everything's sort of running at great guns and your job is simply to make sure it keeps pointed in the same direction and try to come up with some strategic new things that will benefit the region. And Brandon had that set up. So the relationship continues to be a strong one. And I certainly want to appreciate and want to thank Senator Beach for joining me today. I also want to thank, of course, all of our listeners for joining us on the GNFCC 400 Insider presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. To listen to this show again, or to hear any of our previous episodes, visit gnfcc400insider.com. To find out more about the Greater North Fulton Chamber events and programs, you can always visit gnfcc.com. Until next time, I'm Callie Boatwright, and this has been the GNFCC 400 Insider on Business Radio X. 